Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. Hello and welcome to MHI Cast. Each year, Work partners with DC Velocity to produce the annual survey and report on industry metrics so that supply chain professionals can see how they measure up to their peers. So for 2021, the study was sponsored by Kenko Logistics, Yale, and Optricity. And so with us today to talk about the 2021 report, including the trends and challenges it outlines, are Joe Tillman, founder of T-Square Logistics and instructor with Christian Brothers University in Memphis, Tennessee. We also have Carl Manrote, professor of logistics and supply chain management at Georgia College University. And last, certainly not least, Donnie Williams, assistant professor of supply chain management at the University of Arkansas. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us today. Let's jump right in and, and, and let's start with this. For most of our listeners who may not be familiar with the report, can you tell us what it is and how they can use it. Carl, if we could, let's start with you. Well, we would love your listeners to absolutely use the report, but let me go back in history to kind of explain it. There wasn't really a good place where um, there was publicly available free metrics on performance. And one of the things that we wanted to do with work is to make that available to its members and also DC Velocity readers. And so we developed a survey instrument to captures that data. Now, there's a couple of things that's really important about this. Number one is that we have defined all of the measures. So when somebody says on-time delivery, well, what does that mean? Well, we're gonna define what on-time delivery means. The second thing that's really important about that is that we also give a means of um, gathering that data or actually calculating that metric, right? So how do I actually calculate on-time delivery? Or um, we have a honeycomb um, metric in there had in years past. So how do I actually calculate is really critical. Now, I know that kind of sounds simple in some ways, but the reason we did that is even within a single organization, they had different ways of calculating metrics and defining those measures. And what we wanted to do is help the industry kind of start to standardize how they view the measure, how they're going to go ahead and calculate it. Now, how can they use it? Well, one of the things that we've done in the report is we divide the metrics into quintiles. So we have five different categories from major opportunity to best in class. And organizations can look to see how they're performing in each of those five areas. So am I in need of improvement? Am I doing really, really well? And we encourage people to look at the median score as well. And so, Jen, you probably are really good at stats. And remember that the median is kind of like the midpoint of the data, 50% above, 50% below. And we use a median because it doesn't, it isn't swayed by outliers as easily as a mean would be. And we just use that and we've used that for the last 16 years. So people can kind of look at the quintiles, but also that median to see how well I'm performing. Joe, Donnie, how about you? Anything you'd like to add? Well, I'll add uh, just one additional thing here, too, is that it really also provides 
the practitioners, the users of this information with the ability to kind of plan ahead and where are we at today and where do we want to go so they can start mapping out how do we get to point B? How do we get to that higher level of performance? If we have uh, major opportunity performers, you know, what does best in class look like? So this gives them that way to see how far they really have to go or how close they really are to achieving best in class performance. I, I think I would just add, you know, you know, the purpose of the study and why it exists. You know, one of the things that really interested me in working with the study to begin with is that we know that the great organizations generally have a great metric program with them. And, um, you know, you can go all the way back to Peter Drucker, you know, if I can't measure it, I can't manage it. And so uh, the ability to have a tool that uh, provides a standardized definition of how we think about metrics and which ones that now I can benchmark across industries to determine how we are performing compared to our uh, uh you know, our competitors or our peers in our industry is such a valuable tool for companies to to utilize. And we've seen this over and over through the years is that, you know, it is a tool to be used to get better. And, and I think companies that actually put uh, performance metrics as part of their core competency to actually drive performance, but also to understand how to improve performance is is a really valuable tool for people. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Donnie, because you may remember a couple of years ago when we worked with uh, Coca-Cola Parts and uh, and how they used to study to have a conversation with their 3PL. And it really helped open up, you know, well, what, what kind of level of performance do we need to have to be successful and for this relationship to move forward? And I think that's a uh, was a great place for them to start and work towards. And this was one of those tools that they used to have that conversation with. Sounds like a good benchmarking tool for distribution centers. What are some of the key metrics that are measured in the survey and how have they changed over the last couple of years? For example, uh, I noticed that in the report that that on time ready to ship was in the top 12 metrics this year, but not necessarily the last year. Joe? I think that's a great question. Uh, just to kind of understand how the de- metrics were really developed and how we narrowed it down. Um, as, as Carl mentioned way back when, um, and if we travel in Carl's way back when machine, we get back to that point where there was, I think, 250 or 300 different measures that they said, are what are the measures that DC Velocity Readers work members use the most common, uh, the most frequently to measure their performance in the warehouse or distribution center? And we've and that was um, wow, 2003, Carl. Uh, so in 2003, and then in uh, 2006, uh, we had it whittled down to about 50 measures that we started capturing performance data on. Um, and what we looked at was breaking them into groups. So we have five different groups. We have uh, customer operations focused. We have uh, financial capacity, quality, and employee metrics. And so those are the five big areas. And then we had two additional areas that we looked at with the perfect order index and the component metrics of the um, perfect order index, as well as the cash to cash cycle time component metrics or measures as well. Um, So that kind of gave us the 50 measures. Fast forward, um, coming back to the future, some here, uh, we whittled it down in 2016 to the current list that we've been using. Uh, because we noticed that we were not getting a lot of responses on some of the measures and we wanted to get as and have an accurate reflection of what are those key metrics, key performance indicators that are being used in warehousing and distribution today. 
Um, one of the things that we do look at every year is, is are there measures that are much more popular than any of the others? And that's where we have the top 12 metrics list from, which is what you were referring to, especially with an on-time ready to ship. Um, and, it, and it is in the list. Uh, I can't remember right offhand how far back, but this isn't the first time it's been in the top 12. Um, but in the past few years, past several studies, it was not considered in the top 12 um, or some of the more important or more commonly used measures. Um, you know, it, I think the number one metric that we've seen used has been average warehouse capacity uh, used for the last several years, followed quickly behind it with order picking accuracy, and those two tend to swap back and forth. But when I first joined the study, on-time shipments was the number one metric. Over 89% of respondents were using that as their key performance indicator, but that's going back to 2007, 2008, up through about 2014, I believe it was. Um, so this list, it, it changes. We, we notice sometimes from year to year, um, it, we will have one or two new metrics that may pop, uh, pop up into the list. Uh, whereas in other years, we would have, uh, it, it's not that the list changed other than the order that the metrics appear in. So, and, and what we try to look at is, well, what is this communicating to us in terms of what's going on in the facility for the uh, year of data, for that year that we were trying to capture the data for? And why would there be that big of a change? Um, I think when we uh, average warehouse capacity used, uh, order picking accuracy, when we started seeing those two popping up as number one, number two for the last several years, there's been a lot of concern about, well, how do we provide constant uh, levels of support? Um, uh, you know, how can we fill orders uh, consistently when they're coming in and then making sure that, you know, when we are shipping, think about Amazon and e-commerce and how we're shipping higher volume of orders with fewer parts or fewer lines or, even um, you know, fewer units per order. Uh, so we're having a higher number of orders coming in, but smaller uh, in terms of the number of units or lines that are being shipped out uh, to uh, end consumers or even business-to-business uh, -business relationships. And so having storage and having availability of the supply that we need of the uh, products, the goods that we're trying to sell or provide, you know, that, that takes up space. How do we, you know, how, and then that's what we've been seeing is that with that growth in e-commerce, we're starting to see a different change in what's really important. Thanks, Joe. Our next question is for all three of you. Were there any changes to the top metrics that surprised you? And if so, which one and why? Maybe let's start with Donnie for, for this one. I wouldn't say there's any that necessarily surprised us, you know, year in and year out, as Joe mentioned earlier, you know, we have different metrics come into the top 12 uh, for various reasons. And sometimes those are good indicators of kind of what's happening in the industry. Uh, we, we, we saw this a couple of years ago, and uh, Joe alluded to it, where more capacity metrics started showing up in the top 12. Um, but that made sense because we started seeing more capacity crunch um, and, and firms were looking for capacity. But not only that, there was a shift in a lot of the DCs towards uh, more e-commerce operations. And so, well, when you do an e-commerce operation and you're picking eaches instead of cases, then all of a sudden you're using your capacity a little bit differently. And so uh, so a lot of those things that happen as far as the, the metrics moving into the top 12 are not necessarily surprising as much as they are revealing into what's happening in the industry. I will say it was interesting, and this really happened two years ago. Joe talked about the perfect order index in 2019. Those metrics were in the 30s as far as the ranks of usage. And then last year, they 
all of them moved up into the top uh, 12, and then they remained there this past year. And so this idea around the perfect order index is something that we've been looking at and just paying attention to. It's like, okay, uh, so this this holistic ability to be able to serve our our customers and getting our orders, you know, if you think about in the retail environment, we think about it on time in full. And so then I think a lot of those measures kind of bleed over uh, into the perfect order index and what we're looking at there. And so those have certainly come to the forefront. I think there's a lot of pressure on DCs and supply chains to get inventory on the shelves and available for customers. And that's no matter actually where you're at in the supply chain, everyone's a customer somewhere. And so it doesn't really matter who the customer may be, you know, working down the supply chain, they need their goods. Uh, they need uh, their product in place. And, and many times distribution centers who are executing that throughout the supply chain. Joe, over to you. Have any of the top metrics surprised you at all? Well, I really like what Donnie just said regarding, you know, it, this is kind of an indication to us of what's going on. Um, and that's kind of a, a revealing to us. And, and it's, it's also what's revealing to us about what's not there. Um, and I was surprised Donnie didn't mention that. But, uh, you know, when we've looked at this over the years, we look at balance. Or we like to talk about balance in terms of the balance scorecard, making sure that we're looking at all different areas. Um, of performance that we need. And one of the things in balance that we don't see here is financial focus or employee focus. It is very common for us to not have an employee measure or even a financial measure in the top 12. Um, I, I think that if I expanded this out a little bit and looked, you know, in the top 20, we would get our first employee metric, which would be annual workforce turnover, but we'd have to go into the top 25 to even get a cost measure to show up. Um, and, and I think that's revealing as well in terms of what the focus is. But then again, if we go back to who are we surveying, we're really surveying the operational side of the business. And that's what we're really focused on is how well is operations in a warehouse or distribution centers running and working. Carl, your comments and, and the question once again uh, was, uh, were there any changes in the metrics that surprised you over the last uh, year? I don't know if it would necessarily frame it as a change in the top metrics as the performance in the metrics that has been surprising. And so if you go long-term and just kind of look at the different quintiles and how performance in those have changed, you start to see something that we've referred to as quintile squint. And what we mean by that is when you start looking at those, um, the performance level in best of class compared to advantage, compared to typical, the differences between those categories, those three different groups is very, very small. Um, so to give you an example, if you're looking at on-time shipments, um, the best-in-class organizations are at 99.7% and above. Well, Advantage, which is now in the top, the next quintile down, they're going to be at 98.9%. They're off by one percentage point. So you have 40% of the respondents that are better than 98.9% um, on on-time shipments. So what you start to see is these different quintiles really start to merge together and the differences between them are very, very small. And so again, performance is getting better, which means that organizations really need to focus on their supply chains if they're gonna go ahead and continue to compete in this very, very aggressive market. 
Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Now, um, in addition to overall KPIs, you also looked at the top metrics of e-commerce and uh, omni-channel facilities in comparison to other facilities. Uh, Donnie, can, can you explain what differences you found and why you think those differences are there? I think the interesting thing that we found, we actually found this a couple of years ago, is that regardless of strategy, type of facility, that type of thing, there's actually very little differences. That, and the, the differences are very nuanced, if any, in kind of the top 12 metrics that we looked at. Um, but I do think if you look at the e-commerce, omni-channel, what you begin to see is more granular data. So if you think about the top 12 lines picked and shipped per hour, per person hour, um, you look at inventory count, percent by location. Those were the only ones that were not in the overall top 12 when we think about all the respondents. But what's happening there, obviously, you're dealing with eaches, right? And so when you're dealing with a, a different type of uh, production efficiency uh, that I'm looking at from an operations perspective uh, in the facility. And so here is where all of a sudden these individual items matter and how quickly people are picking uh, these lines and, and how you know, what that ratio looks like per person per hour. And so, you know, it just gets a little bit more granular when you get into e-commerce because you're not dealing as much with cases per se, as much as you are individual items. And so, you know, if I'm running an e-commerce facility, that's something I'd probably want to pay attention to, you know, hey, okay, maybe I should pay a little bit more attention to this type of metric because that's how my competitors are looking at it. Um, that's how uh, people that are in this industry are, are you know, monitoring performance. That's going to also indicate to me how well I'm able to serve my customer. But if you can also see they've got that perfect order index uh, there as well um, uh, embedded within those top 12. So I don't think there's a lot of difference, but there is enough nuance to say, OK, our operation is just a bit different. We need to focus on that. What trends have you noticed in the past couple of years? And and uh, do you think they'll continue uh, on the current trajectory? I, I have three words, capacity, capacity, capacity. And, uh, and, and that's not just coming from this study. It's coming from what I'm hearing from people in the industry, uh, whether you're talking about transportation capacity, distribution capacity, it really is about, you know, there's demand, of course, with COVID, you know, that created disruptions in supply through a lot of supply chains. But at the end of the day, they're still looking at capacity. And I think we see this reflected in the metrics. Uh, they jumped up there in, I, Joe, I can't remember if it was 2018 or 19 that capacity metrics really kind of jumped up into the top 12 to take up a large component in it, but it's certainly on everyone's radar right now. And so in my mind, if I'm, if I'm managing, I'm looking at capacity, I'm looking at where are we going to get capacity? How much is capacity costing me? Um, how efficient can I be with the capacity that I have in the DCs that I currently run? Um, and what's it going to take for me to be able to serve my customers? Um, and, and even looking ahead, thinking about, okay, the disruption has caused a lot of supply chains to really think about, well, how much inventory do safety stock do we need to keep on hand? Well, that's a capacity issue too. Where am I going to keep that safety stock? And so all of these things tend to be systemic, right? And so if I'm going to serve my customers, I've got to have the inventory on hand. If I'm going to have the inventory on hand, I better have the capacity to have it on hand so that I can deliver it to my customers. Joe, how about you? Any trends you've noticed? You know, that's a really good question in terms of, you know, well, what, tr what trends? And I think what... Um, alluding back to what we, uh, what Carl was talking about earlier with uh, the quintile squint, um, and I think that we are starting, you know, seeing that as a trend in terms of performance because 
the number of different technologies that we can really use and bring in. And I always like to go back to order picking accuracy because of how important it is in terms of the quality aspect and ensuring that we have um, and meeting what our customers are expecting by making sure that we have the right um, materials, the right goods, the right product in the box that we're shipping out or in the uh, you know shrink wrapped into pallet or stretch wrapped into pallet before it leaves to the final customer. And that's a really good indication because there's been a lot of investment in barcoding and RF scanners and various other technologies that captures this data so that we can go back and look at it. Um, and I think we're gonna start seeing some more of that in some of the other measures. Um, but uh, you know, it, it is very indicative in the order picking accuracy because the biggest difference between um, typical, which was where we would find an average compared to the best in class, there's not even a 1% difference, you know, and that's 60% of survey respondents um, that are 99% or better in that in, in performance there. So I think in terms of, you know, technologies that are coming in, and we're going to have to start relying more on those technologies and um, different types of automations that's going to finally bring what we need in the warehouse uh, to help those tools to get those in the hands of the employees so that they can perform better. And Carl, want to give you an opportunity to uh, comment on this as well. You know, I think Donnie's answer is a lot like peanut butter in that you can just spread it on a lot of different places. Capacity is that big an issue and it is going to impact us in a lot of different ways. And I, I don't think, you know, we just talked about distribution, transportation, talent, where we're going to go ahead and make our products in the future. All those are going to be capacity issues and they're all going to be issues we're going to have to deal with in, in the decade to come. <laughs> we're all going to need to have to remember that peanut butter analogy. Thank you for sharing. Uh, now, this may depend on what type of, of facility you have or the customers you serve, but what metrics should companies uh, be paying more and more attention to? Carl, let's start with you first. It's a really good question to start thinking about. And a lot of times what companies will have a tendency to do is start at the metric and then kind of work backwards. And my encouragement would be to do the exact opposite. What you really need to do before you even start looking at what we can do is understand what our customers really want. And so getting the voice of the customer to understand what their expectations are, what level of performance is needed to go ahead and um, meet their needs and expectations, what metrics ought to be um, highlighting or really focusing in on based on your strategy really matters quite a bit. You don't want to over-serve your customer. You could be actually spending more money um, in some cases. So again, I wouldn't think about what metrics do I, I, I think about or, or focus in on, or rather, Let's go back to my customer. What's your expectations? What do they want? And then how do my metrics align to the needs of the customer? Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Find out what's expected of you before jumping in and starting those improvements. Um, Donnie, Joe, anything to add? I'd like to add one thing to it. So, um, you know, one interesting thing that we did in the study a couple of years ago was we looked at alignment between uh, the top 12 metric package that was most utilized according to strategy. So we actually collect the data um, based upon and, and firms fill out, what is our strategy? And, you know, we actually hypothesized and every academic would, would think, and if you ask any layperson, hey, if I've got a low cost strategy, should the metrics that I use 
to operate according to that strategy look different than if I've got a you know customer service strategy in that sense. The metric package should look different. And what we found during that time is there was actually no uh, statistical difference at all between the metric packages used by each strategy. And I think this really gets to what Carl was talking about as well. Is, you know, I, I think firms really need to think about who they are, uh, what is their strategy, and really seek to build alignment through that. Because the strategy is how we're going to actually execute and serve those customers. Um, and if I don't align my metrics with that, I can find myself working against myself with the wrong incentives. And if you think about metrics, in general, if metrics are what we're using to uh, understand and calculate performance, and I'm using those performance metrics as determining whether or not we're successful or not in what we're doing, and I'm utilizing the wrong metrics because they're not aligned with my strategy and how we're trying to serve our customers, then I'm actually going to be undercutting what we're actually trying to accomplish as an organization. And that causes confusion in our people, causes confusion in our reports, um, and, and it really doesn't it isn't good sound business policy. Um, and so I think in terms of that, I would really think like what Carl was saying is absolutely correct. Let's figure out what our strategy is, who, what our customers need, and then, then we can build a strong metric profile based upon that that aligns with our overall goals. You know, Donnie, you triggered a, another thought about that too, is that when you start thinking about, especially our earlier discussion about a capacity constrained environment, I may want to, for simplicity's sakes, limit the types of customers that I serve. So instead of having a very broad array, I may just say, I can't do that. I'm too capacity constrained. I'm going to focus in on a brand or a group of customers, a segment, and then, you know, I'm, I'm going to let the other ones trickle, trickle away. So it could be based on capacity that I may refocus my marketing strategies, my segmentation strategy, and then that'll help me align operationally and it'll help me align then using the appropriate metrics to support that strategy. Joe, want to make sure that you have the opportunity as well to comment and weigh in on this. Anything that you'd like to add about uh, metrics that companies should be paying attention to? I think that's absolutely right. And we're actually seeing companies now starting to do that. Uh, just saying, listen, based on our capacity, we've got to um, shorten our customer base or limit our customer base and who we're going to serve. And I, there was a report that came out today, actually, that one company, I'm not going to mention the company, but said, hey, we're releasing 1,500, I believe it was, the number of our customers. We're, we can't serve you because of our capacity. You know, and that's not too surprising considering, um, what, June of last year with uh, Coca-Cola coming out and just cutting skews like crazy. Um, and I think they um, went through and rationalized uh, 200 SKUs and just took them right off the books. Uh, we're not going to use them anymore. We're not going to make them anymore. Uh, so anybody that had tab as a favorite drink and they had, because they were trying to keep that customer base there, they finally said, well, we can't do this anymore. It doesn't make sense to continue to support this. Um, and, I, and I think that we're going to probably see a lot more of that strategies around customizing products as far away as possible, that's probably going to be changing too, or at least I would think it would when you consider GM and Ford having to deal with the fact that they can't get the semiconductors they need for key aspects of um, trucks or vehicles already, uh, vehicles that they're selling, the automobiles that they're selling to support 
what are now standard um, pieces of equipment on cars like a backup camera or the uh, side light or the uh, side indicator that there's somebody next to you, the sensor that's there. Um, you know, there was, I was reading in the wall street journal not too long ago that they were selling cars without putting that in there and customers were still buying them. Yeah. I was a little disappointed that, you know, I'm buying a $67,000, you know, 2,500 GMC truck, but, uh, you know what? I, I really don't need it. I can look in the mirror, uh, was kind of the response that was given and yeah, you can look in the mirror, but the other part of that too, that. We, that, that even the automotive industry is going to have to remember is that there are several of these uh, warning systems and indicators that are used and backup cameras that are they're, they're required under law from um, President Obama's administration that put the, that you had to have these common safety devices on your on these vehicles by a certain timeline. So they're going to need those semiconductors um, and trying to get them before they're you know right now I don't think it's uh, for the side sensors that there's somebody next to you uh but uh in the backup cameras uh it's, i don't think they have been implemented fully implemented or required in all uh vehicle models that are coming out but i know in the next couple of years they're supposed to have that uh completed by so this is going to be really interesting to see what happens well it'll be interesting to see how the supply chain continues to adapt over the uh, next few years in this post-pandemic world uh, as we draw to a close, anything the three of you would like to add uh, or share with the audience? We can only talk about this in, in a very brief way, but I'm going to encourage um, your listeners to tune into the work website um, later on this year. Uh, we've been working on updating the survey and actually making a benchmarking tool utilizing the survey data available to um, work members. Um, so we're real excited about that. Um, literally a um, client can go in, put in their data, and then find out how well they're comparing to everybody else. And so that tool is under development. We're um, working with a, a super set of developers to, uh, to get that done. And we're really excited about um, what that could um, um, do and help um, the members and others that take part in that. Carl, thanks so much for adding that in. That sounds like a fantastic tool, and I'm sure our listeners will be on the lookout for it. I'd like to take this opportunity, of course, Carl, Joe, Donnie, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sharing your insight and joining us on, on this episode of MHI Cast. And I want to thank you as well, the listener at home, in your car, in your office, for, for taking all, all this content in. Certainly, you can find the annual survey and report on industry metrics on Work's webpage, and that URL is werc.org. Once again, werc.org, that's work.org, and just look under the Resources tab. In addition to that report, you can also find an infographic that will be coming out in, in DC Velocity's August issue, so, so be on the lookout for that. And one other thing, as always, you know the, the 2021 MHI Annual Industry Report, it's available at mhi.org slash publications slash report. And using that report, you can discover innovation-driven resilience and start planning your organization's future today. You know, here at MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to that next level of success. So thank you for making us a part of your professional development journey.